Hi friends, great to be back with you again this week. Today we're going to be looking at the story of Joseph, but as we begin, let's start with a word prayer. Father in heaven, as we now take a moment just to pause, uh, as we study the life of Joseph, may you be with us in Jesus' name, amen. To begin with, there's a story that uh, Paul Bareka tells of uh, a friend that when they were in, uh, I believe, early, maybe college age, I think they were 19, uh, his friend was leading a, a group of college students on a hike. And an hour into the hike, they came across this lake and they decided to go swimming. And as they were swimming, tragedy occurs. One of the young adults drowns. And Paul's friend is obviously distraught, having to tell uh, the young person's family. And he calls his dad, hoping to find some consolation, some solace. And obviously the father as well, he, he, uh, he was concerned and he felt his son's pain. But rather than wallowing in guilt and sorrow, he knew this could potentially be a very life-altering uh, point in his son's life. So rather than looking to fear and despair, he says to him, Well, son, there are two ways. Two ways of looking at this. Either, number one, this is a tragedy and something that you will never recover from. Or, it's God's indication to you that he has some very great big things for you he wants to do in your life and this is the only way that he's going to be able to prepare you for these things perspective now the son's perspective changed his viewpoint on this great tragedy the young man of course did go on to do great things for God in fact he became a teacher and he became a minister and he still is teaching and preaching and sharing ways to be able to minister, to be a benefit and a blessing to others. Now, today's story, we're going to be looking at Joseph, one of the sons of Jacob, i.e. Israel. And uh, his story doesn't just begin with his father. It actually goes, uh, sorry, not himself. It goes back further to where his father, who has a brother named Esau, and when uh, they were, when he was much younger, he, he tricks Esau into selling his birthright for a bowl of lentils, and not realizing eventually that Esau, when he uh, would lose his inheritance, he gets angry, and their mother sends Jacob off to Laban, her brother. And when uh, Joseph, uh, Jacob eventually goes and he meets Laban, he also meets his daughter, Rachel. Now, Rachel was the younger of two daughters, Leah. But Jacob, he loved Rachel, his first and true love. And so he approaches Laban, I would like to marry your daughter. So he says, of course, sure. Work for me seven years and I'll give you her. So he works seven hard years. And so the wedding happens, and as in traditional uh, weddings back time, that, at that time, uh, the bride's face was covered. And it wasn't until they actually got home that she would reveal herself. And on revealing herself that night, Jacob realizes that he wasn't married to Rachel, he was married to Leah. 
And so, of course, he gets upset. He goes to Laban, why did you do this to me? He says, well, it's tradition that the, uh, the, the, older, the older of the daughters has to be married first. And so Jacob I, says, I wanted to be married to Rachel. He says, fine, you can marry Rachel, but you need to work for me seven more years. <laughs> so he agrees to it. Seven more years he would work. Well, this eventually would cause some friction. At some point, Leah begins to have children. First Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. And along the way, however, Rachel is barren. And she's upset. And she basically tells uh, you know, Jacob, give me some kids. And Jacob's like, oh my God. So what does, he, uh, what does she do? She gives him Bilhah, her servant, and expects him to go and sleep with her. So he does. And along comes Dan and Naphtali. And finally, she feels somewhat vindicated. Through Bilhah, she has two boys. But then what happens next? Well, Leah gets upset, so he gives her uh, Zilpah, her own servant. And he has two boys with her, Gad and Asher. Finally, Leah again has more kids, Issachar, Zebulun, and actually even a girl, Dinah. So by, at this point, there are ten boys in the lineage. Until finally, Rachel has Joseph and Benjamin. So there's already this animosity uh, between the two wives, the two sisters. And it's here that they become competitive. And then here we find, at 17, things go sideways for Joseph. So, in chapter 37, verse 2, it says, This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. So that would be Gad, Asher, Dan, and Naphtali. Now, Israel. Uh, at some point, uh, Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and made an ornate robe for him. And not only that as well, Joseph was Rachel's son. He was remembered, his one true love. And Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my, ro my sheep rose and stood upright while your sheaves were gathered around mine and bowed down to it. And the brothers respond, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And then he has another dream. And he tells his brothers, listen, I had another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well his dreams, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? So... Joseph, he's 17 years old. He's, he's still a teenager. And when you're young, you think you know, you think you know everything and, and he's probably pretty petulant. And so um, his brothers get upset. They're jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. So Jacob, somewhat of a selfish or Israel, selfish father, he favors Joseph and Benjamin. And then eventually we find that jo uh, Jacob or Israel sends Joseph 
to go and check on his brothers while they're tending the flock. And Joseph, he gives a bad report of his brothers goofing off. And this further increases their frustration and their anger towards him. And then Joseph, or sorry, Israel gives Joseph a robe. It's one thing to give a robe, but especially when it has many different colors. It was a special robe. It wasn't cheap. See, because back then, in order to, to have a robe and have different colors, you had to create dye, and dye was not cheap. And so when he gets this robe, it further increases the divide amongst all of the brothers. So when Joseph has two dreams, indicating the illusion, the fact that they would bow down and be subject to him, again, it causes even more resentment. So what happens? He goes and checks on his brothers. He, he doesn't find them. But he sees a man there and he says, oh, they went to Dothan. And so he heads towards Dothan. And while he was still far away off, his brothers could see that he was coming. And rather than being resentful and greeting him, they thought, okay, you know what? I've had enough of him. How do we kill him? Now, Reuben, the oldest, being more sensible, he's thinking, dude, we can't kill him. He's our own brother. He's our own flesh and blood. So when they capture him, Rather than killing him, he convinces them to at least place him in a cistern where, where water would be held. But there wasn't any water in this cistern. Because his plan was that he would at least try to put him in the cistern, leave, and then come back and take him back to his dad. Well, they catch him. They take his robe. They place him. They put him in the cistern. He can't get out. Reuben takes off. And while Reuben is gone, there's a band of Ishmaelite slave uh, holders and the brothers they see these Ishmaelites and they say hey you know what instead why don't we rather than killing him because as Reuben pointed out he is our own brother let's sell him off to the Ishmaelites so they grab Joseph they meet the Ishmaelites and they sell their very own brother their own flesh and blood for only 20 shekels in ex and, and the Exodus, uh, it points out that slaves were worth at least 30, uh, but only 20 shekels. And it's here that Joseph is then taken to Egypt, where he would be sold and auctioned off to a man named Potiphar, the commander of the guards, the, the, the Pharaoh's army. Meanwhile, his brothers took his robe, they, they kind of scratched and tore it apart and dipped it in, I believe it was in goat's blood, and presented it to their very own father, giving the illusion that he'd been killed by a wild animal. Frankly, that's pretty messed up, don't you think? I, I can't even imagine how they would get to this process. It must have taken a lot of resentment to get to that point. Back to Joseph. So we find in Joseph, he at least fortunately enough is bought by Potiphar. And Potiphar treats him very well because he realizes that everything that Joseph touched was blessed because good things would come about. So much so that he puts Joseph over his whole household. And there was only one thing 
that Potiphar had to worry about what he was going to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Potiphar was a very influential man. And to place that much trust in Joseph was a lot. However, Joseph, being young, was also apparently very attractive as well because Mrs. Potiphar had her eye on him. And she several times tried to seduce him. And Joseph, he's like, why of all things? Why would I do that? Why would I, why would I bring shame to this house? Why would I sin against not only God, but also Potiphar because he has done so much for me? Why would I betray that trust? And yet that did not stop her. Until finally, he again, she tries to approach him, grabs his cloak, and he runs away. And what does she do? She lies and tells Potiphar that he had assaulted her. Now, scripture says that he, he burned with, with anger. And yet Potiphar... Potiphar was a very influential man. Potiphar had a lot of power. But what does Potiphar do? He could have easily had Joseph killed. What does he do? He sends him to jail. And it's here in jail that God was still faithful and still good to Joseph. Because when Joseph goes to jail, much like Potiphar the jail warden realizes that everything that Joseph does and is looking over is well looked after. So he gives Joseph responsibility. And so much so, he's, he's, he's helping to ensure that the jail is well looked after as well. And unfortunately for Joseph, he would spend many years in prison. Now at this point, if you were Joseph, if I were Joseph, frankly, I would probably be pretty bummed out because number one, I was my dad's golden boy child. I was loved. I was well taken care of. I had probably all the best food and all the best servings of food. I, I had a great robe. I had a great life. And then my very own brothers sell me into slavery. I'm grateful at least I ended up in Potiphar's house and I take care of his place. Everything's good until Mrs. Potiphar accuses me. Well, I could be upset at that. And I'm in jail, but yet still God has been good to me. And so Joseph adopts this attitude of this faith of uh, being content and rather than complaining or asking, oh, woe is me, Joseph was still faithful despite the circumstances. You know, sometimes I, I think about the fact that we're uh, currently in a situation where the coronavirus is still going about and, and the idea of being um, told to stay at home and be stuck when I'm a person that loves to be out and about. It, it uh, to me, it, it can be sometimes very. Um, uh, I don't like being cooped up, and so any chance, even just a little trip to the grocery store, feels like this great, huge luxury. 
But I remember very, very early on as well that uh, when I first went to the grocery store a month ago, a lot of things were sold out. I remember going to the to the Ralphs on, on Lakewood and all the fruits and vegetables were gone. And of course, forget trying to buy toilet paper. And so I thought about, man, it's so easy to be frustrated, to be, to be upset. I can't get this. I can't get that. In fact, I remember wanting to get onions. I wanted onions and there was no onions. There were only shallots. So what did I do? I bought shallots. I could look at this story of saying, well, I wanted, I wanted sweet onions, but you know what? There are no sweet onions, but at least, hey, there's shallots. And guess what? I discovered a new love for a new vegetable. I was able to try something new. And one of the things that Joseph had to learn, especially after being in Potiphar's household, and especially being in jail, is at some point, Joseph had to learn humility. He served others well. He served Potiphar extremely well. Because he recognized that Potiphar was a good man to him. He didn't take that for granted, and especially in jail, he learned humility. And with humility, you're able to learn and adapt and grow. So, you know, sometimes we may not get the vegetables that we want. We may not be able to get onions, but we can get shallots. Maybe sometimes in life as well, sometimes life throws you a curveball. You didn't get that promotion or the job that you wanted. That's okay. Study. Train harder. Maybe you're stuck at home in quarantine. And rather than looking at the, oh, woe is me, I'm stuck here. This is a great opportunity to be able to get to spend time with your family, your kids, your grandkids. Or maybe your grandparents if you're younger. Learn more. Share stories of when you were growing up. There's a lot of wisdom that can be shared from our, our, our more mature members. We find what's really important as well. Frankly, we all thought that movie stars and celebrities were the most important people. And no, doctors, nurses, teachers. How many of you parents are finally starting to realize, my teachers are great people. I may give them a lot of grief, but you know what? They love my kids and they're able to, to deal with my kids in a way that I probably could not. Unexpected issues come up. Time to be creative. When this whole thing happened, I remember talking to Bill and I remember talking to several other people. It took a team effort to be able to adapt, but yet we have been so creative and, and we realize that when everything does, when the coronavirus does calm down or I don't know what, you know, goes away and when we hopefully eradicate it forever, um, life will not be the same. We will be different. We will be coming out stronger. So when we look at when we look at things, when when bad things happen to us, it's about perspective. We may not necessarily be able to control the situation, okay, or at least things happening to us. But we can respond. We can control with how we respond. We can look at it as a positive thing or a negative thing, much like the uh, Paul uh, Barreca's friend. When he lost a friend due to drowning, we could look at it with fear or we can look at it as an opportunity. Well, this is going to be an important lesson in my life. 
not to minimize as well the loss because that is that's something that yes you need to grieve you you can you need to mourn but it's also an important lesson of responsibility joseph learned responsibility he learned humility and we don't and he didn't realize it but ultimately especially this didn't hit me until uh you know last night that ultimately god was preparing joseph for bigger responsibilities he started in potiphar's house just one household and then in the second phase he learned how to be responsible in prison and then phase 3 which would certainly soon come about would be to help lead Egypt we find that eventually while he was in prison pharaoh's baker and pharaoh's cupbearer end up in prison and they were there a while and as they are in jail they both have dreams the same night and they wake up and they're baffled by this and they share these dreams with Joseph similar dreams um the baker and the the cupbearer eventually share their dreams with Joseph and as Joseph listens to these dreams God reveals what what their meaning are to Joseph and he shares with the cupbearer the positive news and that he would be restored to his position And when the baker hears this he tells his dream to Joseph and Joseph sadly bears the bad news and that eventually he would die 3 days later. 3 days later both things happen. The baker unfortunately he dies and the cupbearer is restored. And when when the cupbearer leaves Joseph asks him, "Hey, please remember me. Remember me because I'm still here." It would be a full 2 years. And 2 years later when uh, when uh, Pharaoh has a dream and nobody could think about could interpret it until finally the cupbearer ping like a light, uh, bolt of lightning he has an epiphany and remembers that when he was in jail there was a man who revealed his fate and so he tells Pharaoh there was a man named Joseph when I was in prison he can tell you your dream they bring Joseph out and Pharaoh shares with him his dream. And as Joseph listens, he and God uh, reveals to him the dream and that there will be 7 years of plenty of good crops, of plenty of wheat. And Joseph also surmises, "Hey, we need to take advantage of that so that because there is going to be 7 years of famine. So set somebody above all of this to make sure that we can get through this." And Pharaoh listens to Joseph and realizes you know what I've already got the man who I need to lead us in this time and he gives Joseph a new signet ring and a new robe and this robe and the signet ring um it it's an it's 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 uh not power but responsibility because Joseph would become the number 2 man the only other person above him would be Pharaoh and by God's grace much like being in Potiphar's house much like being in prison Joseph thrives when he's in Egypt now we could go on and talk about the brothers and that's going to be an important story however 
We'll come back to that another day. So what can we learn from this? 13 years. Joseph was 30 years old when he was essentially named prime minister of Egypt. 13 years of being uh, misrepresented, being accused, and being unfairly thrown in prison. It's a lot of time to sit and to contemplate. He could have easily cursed God. He could have easily uh, renounced his faith, but he didn't. He was faithful. And rather than looking at things in a negative light, he saw the good. He did, he did not give out. He did not give up on his faith. And much like this time too, things are changing. Some of our friends, some of our brothers and sisters, they've either been furloughed, um, they've been, they've been um, let go. And for that, we recognize and we're praying for you. Uh, it's not an easy time. I know for a lot of uh, family, especially moms and grandmas, they're missing their kids and their grandkids because we're not able to get together right now. But remember, without darkness, you cannot have darkness without light. At some point, though it may be dark, the sun still rises and the morning will come. And until that time, may we look to Joseph, part one. May we have the same faith that he carried forth. And as well, start small. You know, before you can get to 100 pull-ups, you have to do one. And maybe the next day you do two, and maybe the next day three, four, five, six, until eventually you're going to hit your goal. In fact, there's, there's a quote that I, I came across uh, last night. Uh, I believe it's by Stephen Koontz. He says, be brave enough to be bad at something new. We all have to start somewhere. And, and we're not always going to be great at it. I, I look at some of the sermons that I, when I first started to preach, and ugh, I shudder. It's kind of like when uh, back in the day, when if you're old enough, you know, you had that teacher, and not the whiteboard, the chalkboard. And they had long nails, and they would scratch when you've been bad. And you know how your spine would like, you, know, <laughs> you bow up? I look at some of my early sermons, not to say that I'm a great preacher, because I'm always, I'm always learning and growing. But man, some of those, some of those sermons, I just, ugh, I cringe. We all start somewhere. And it's going to take faith, and it's going to take learning. Joseph didn't learn these things overnight. It was a daily learning experience. So be patient. And always, as well, remember the journey. Because it may be horrible now, but as yet, as we reflect and we look back, there are going to be good times and things that we will cherish. So may God bless you, be with you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for an opportunity to just pause and to study your word. Father, forgive us because we are sinners. And Lord, we, we realize that without you, we are nothing. We give you thanks and we give you praise. Lord, despite everything that's going on, we still can be grateful. So we give our thanks to you. And as well, be with the things that are on our heart. Lord, the things that keep us up at night. Lord, we're worried about finances. We're worried about medicine. We're worried about food. 
Um, God, we may not have the answers, but we know that, Lord, you will supply them. So, as well, be with our family and our friends, especially those serving on the front lines and hospitals, uh, and our, our first responders, Lord, our dispatchers, whoever it may be, Lord. Continue to bless, continue to give them strength, continue to give them courage, and the ability to be able to serve, and not only physically, but especially, Lord, mentally. And Lord, as well, may we be as a church that is united in, in the common cause to serve you. May we be faithful disciples for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace, everyone. Have a great day. We love and miss you. Take care.